Welcome to The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to taking you back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Missoula, Montana is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts, and each week we will bring you tales of outdoor adventures both near and far, as well as adventure information and inspiration and a few tunes to set the mood. You can read more about the show online at traillesstraveled.net. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon Whitewater Guide, yoga instructor, and master of the didgeridoo, Mandela. You're listening to The Trail Less Traveled, and we're recording on the Pacific Ocean, on the coast in Gisborne, New Zealand. Now, Gisborne is located on the North Island of New Zealand, on the northeastern coast. We're protected by a bay that is called Poverty Bay, and that was given the name Poverty Bay because Lieutenant James Cook landed here on October 8th, 1769, and the three days that followed were full of misunderstanding. You may have heard about that with the previous interviews leading up to this one. So we're going to kind of get off the subject of history on the coast and move more towards surfing. When Lieutenant James Cook sailed away, he was going to call this bay Endeavor Bay, but because he said nothing good came from his time here, that's why he called it Poverty Bay. But in my time that I've spent here, it's been really the opposite. It's been a wonderful place, full of culture, full of amazing people, and today, amazing surf. So I'm sitting here with my surf instructor, Frank Russell. Frank grew up in Whittier, California, outside of Los Angeles. And at the age of eight, Frank started surfing on belly boards, surf mats, and body surfing. Then at 17, Frank found Cal Western, a university located right on the Sunset Cliffs, a mecca for surfing reef breaks. Frank came to New Zealand on a surf trip 30 years ago and never went home. In 2003, Frank started his surf coaching school, It's called Surfing with Frank, and it's located here in Gisborne, New Zealand. It's an amazing place to learn how to surf. And before we recorded this interview, Frank insisted that, you know, the best way to get to know him was to go surfing with him, and I totally agree. I first want to say, Frank, thank you so much for your surf lesson today and also for making time and energy to meet me here on the trail less traveled. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm just so happy we scored such good waves. As we mentioned earlier, it was the best day of the year. It was lining up, it was two to three foot, virtually no wind, and the waves were peeling. And the girls did really, really well. There was no whitewater surfing today. They were surfing unbroken waves, turning right and left. Frank, my first question for you is where did you grow up? And how was adventure a part of your childhood? This is quite interesting. I grew up in Whittier, California. Some may know as the home of Tricky Dick Nixon, Richard Nixon, our former president. And Whittier is about located just outside Los Angeles. And I grew up there playing sport. I loved basketball, played football, loved baseball. And I was actually a low rider. And there was a Whittier Boulevard to cruise Whittier Boulevard. I had a 64 Chevy Impala. And we heated the springs in auto shop, had Baby Moon deep dish rims. So I was a sportsman and I loved my car. And it was interesting when I went on to university in San Diego at Cal Western, the chrome rims got real rusted. Didn't look after the car as well because my new love was surfing. 
And as I wasn't good enough to play at university, I needed it was a void in my life. You know, I wasn't good enough to make the top basketball team. And surfing came around at the right time because what it led to was coming to New Zealand, traveling the world, looking for really good waves. And I can honestly say, surfing such a healthy sport that one of the best things I learned about university was my love for surfing. I'm the same weight at 65 that I was at 20. I'm not putting on weight. Surfing makes you feel good. And I'm certainly glad that I picked that up in university and certainly have fond memories of surfing at Cal Western. So at age two, my parents took me to the beach. It was just a beach long Newport Beach. I'm not sure exactly the exact spot, but it was around Newport Beach. And they opened the car door and I virtually ran to the ocean, ran straight to the ocean, age two. And my mother had to run to catch up to prevent me from going into the water. And so at that time I knew that the ocean, I was drawn to it as a magnet. And then it progressed from swimming to body surfing and then uh, surf mats we were on, which is rubber mats we used to ride waves. And in those days before boogie boards, they had what they call belly boards. They're kind of dangerous, really. They're wooden planks with a fin in them, but that's where you learn to surf and learn to ride waves. You can start young, learn to body surf, and that's what we did. And then from Whittier, it was probably an hour's drive to a break called Doheny. So after schools in high school, I've got my driver's license. After schools in the weekend, we would surf some places such as the Huntington Beach Cliffs. I remember freezing there in the winter time, and there's this hot water coming out of the oil fields there. We'd get under there to keep us warm. No wetsuits in those days in the winter. Didn't wear wetsuits. So we surfed on the Huntington Cliffs and Doheny. So they were all an hour's drive from Whittier. And I thought to myself, man, when we pick a university, let's get to the beach. Let's talk about Cal Western. When I asked you about your childhood in surfing, you lit up when you talked about this university located right on the Sunset Cliffs, a mecca for surfing reef breaks for a university student. And your dormitories were apparently right above the break, and you would walk right down to the break. Let's talk about that. Well, what can you say? The waves, it was the winter of 1969. One of the biggest recorded waves were coming in both Hawaii and California. I remember the statistic that the average size winter wave in California was five foot. So the first year, my freshman year, it was going off. And how good is that? I was living in the dorms. The food was provided, going to all these neat lectures great lectures, good surf. So what we do is we get out of school about three and we did not take days off. I had one mentor, Bob Bam Bam Garrison, who wouldn't let me take days off. His uh, mantra was, if I was telling him I was a little bit tired, he goes, don't you want to get good? So yes, indeed, I was tired, but I'd go anyway. This is this idea of surfing seven days a week. That's how you really advance in this sport. And think about it. So we'd surf from three to dark, and then we'd run in just before the dormitory closed for the cafeteria, and it was all you could eat. So your food's provided, getting a good education. I enjoyed school and having that surf right at your doorstep. And if you remember the times, many interesting times. There was the Vietnam War. I never forget this song by Crosby, Stills, and Nash called Wooden Ships. And they talked about escaping the nuclear holocaust and the people would leave on the wooden ships getting away from it all and surviving and having to start a new world. So all this time I was taking the, the subjects in school in the back of my mind is I wanted to get out of California I wanted to get out of the rat race I wanted to see the best waves the planet had to offer 
And so that's what I did. I actually got out of university. I did quite well, graduated with honors. I started with political science. That was going to be my major. Kind of a foolish thing because it turns out I just loved sport and ended up teaching PE. But I was going to be a lawyer and I was just tired of going to school after, you know, 5 to 21 or whatever. So immediately, one of the first things we did is I'd work construction six months. And you could always go to third world countries, places like Mexico, and you work for six months, could live for the rest six months. Work six months, travel. The first trip, I went down to Mexico after working construction. We bought a Land Rover, four mates of mine. We went down the entire length of Baja, crossed the tip of Baja, Cabo San Lucas, over to mainland Mexico. And we just surfed all the breaks like San Blas, Rio Nexpa, Puerto Escondido, and we would just stay. One particular spot, I'll never forget it, was a place called Punamita. It breaks in the northern hemisphere wintertime. Our car actually broke down at Punamita, and we didn't care. Carved in the tree was Mexican Malibu. Here was this right-hand point break that broke forever, really long rides. We were broke down. We didn't care. It was going to always be an ordeal to get the part to fix the car, so we just stayed there for a month, and it's probably the best Christmas I ever had. We lived on fish and rice. I don't know how we stayed alive. We didn't have a whole heck of a lot to live. Then from there, we went to Oaxaca, Mexico, where I left the car there. By this time, my friends had gone back to be successful in life or had to get back, got sick of traveling. I kept going, and from Oaxaca, Mexico, I took a bus and got as far as Costa Rica. And again, my probably favorite break was Zunzal and Libertad in, in uh, El Salvador. That was probably my favorite break down there. So I'd spend a month at a place. And I remember the whole trip, the whole six months trip cost $600. And that included what we call petrol or gas, food, accommodation, $600 for six months. What a trip. The length of Baja got as far as Costa Rica, surfing all the best waves along the coast. And I'll never forget that time. It's probably the best surf trip I've ever had. Frank, at age eight, you said you started surfing on belly boards and surf mats and body surfing. Many people know what body surfing is, but let's talk about all three of them. Yeah, as, yeah, as I said, the belly boards. Okay, so first of all, you start body surfing. That'd be the order of things. You start body surfing. And there's a real art to it. To this day, we teach our kids. We always tell them, our intermediate surfers, we take them out in six, seven foot, eight foot days, and we tell them. If your leg rope breaks, that's what keeps you attached to your surfboard. If the leg rope breaks, which it can in big waves, how are you going to get in? So we actually do part of the surf programs. We teach the lost art of body surfing. And that's simply swimming in front of the wave, catching at the right time, and getting in a streamlined body position and ride them into shore. So that's what body surfing is all about. And today you'll see in places like Hawaii, these close-out waves where there's some phenomenal body surfers. I think there might be some crazy guys also that surf the Bonsai Pipeline in Hawaii. Pretty gutsy. Or the Wedge in Newport Beach. So body surfing is a sport in itself. And then we progress to surf mats. These are rubber mats were made famous by George Guino, another ex-California guy from Santa Barbara who moved to Australia, Byron Bay area, and he, to this day, he rides surf mats. They're rubber mats about four feet tall, and they've got little fins on them, and that's where you can learn to go left and right, and that's the surf mat trip. And then there was these belly boards. Now we're talking wooden planks that are fiberglassed with fins on them, and you ride the waves that way. 
these are all the build up to surfing. In fact, to this day, I tell parents when they always, I always get this question, when can my son or daughter start surfing? I tell them at age two, take them down to the beach, hold their hand, jump waves, get used to the ocean, swim in the ocean, start them body surfing. Nowadays, they ride boogie boards. They're the ones that start at that age, accumulating ocean experience and accumulating ocean knowledge who become good surfers. Now, they can do that two to six, and about six, they then come to me, and we take them out on soft top surfboards, and they start their surfing career. I think I rode my first surfboard at age about 12, and it was funny because we thought the board was too long. It was probably 10-2, and it was all long boards and single fins in those days, and they're real heavy. We were 12, we weren't strong enough to carry them. And I'll never forget taking the surfboard over to one of my friend's dad who's a carpenter, and he got a skill saw out, and he cut the nose of the board off and went from 10.6 to about 9 foot. Just unheard of. So the shape's all out of whack. But that's what we did. So we cut the board down and re-fiberglassed it, and that was my first surfboard, probably about 9 foot long, heavy as anything. Shouldn't have worked, but it never got in the way. That's when I started surfing. And we'd go to breaks, as I said, we'd go to breaks like Doheny and the Huntington Cliffs. The evolution of the surfboard then went to this. By the early 70s, the boards went from 9 and 10 feet. They got as short as 6 foot, 5, 10. And to this day, you see people riding all lengths. The kids are riding 5, 6. I've got friends here in Gisborne who are riding 11 and 12 foot boards. So that's surfing in modern days. We got classical longboard surfing and we got the rippers who ride shortboards. You're on the trail less traveled, recorded on location on the Pacific Ocean. Gisbin is located on the North Island's northeastern coast, and we are speaking with Frank Russell. Frank grew up in Whittier, California, outside of Los Angeles. He first ran to the ocean at the age of two, and at the age of eight, Frank started surfing on belly boards, surf mats, and body surfing. Then at 17, Frank found Cal Western, a university located right on the Sunset Cliffs, a mecca for surfing reef breaks. Frank came to New Zealand on a surf trip 30 years ago and never went home. In 2003, Frank started his surf coaching school called Surfing with Frank. It's located here in Gisborne, New Zealand, and it's potentially one of the best places to learn how to surf in the world. He also teaches PE at a local high school. Now, Frank, it's time to play a song. Can you share a song with us that reminds you of your early childhood? Well, this isn't exactly early childhood, but it's sort of indirectly a surfing song. It's Wooden Ships by Crosby, Stills, and Nash. And where I related to that song was that it was about, it was the day of nuclear confrontation. Russia wanted to blow the hell out of the States and vice versa. And that song, in the Vietnam winter, the Vietnam War was going on at the same time, too, Wooden Ships is a story of the people escaping the nuclear holocaust. And this idea of there's not many people left, the world's destroyed, and they had to go find water that wasn't contaminated, food to eat. Some of the lyrics of the song is they run into somebody else in the same predicament, and they talk about they've been eating berries, and it'll probably keep us both alive. And as I said previously, that was really what got me this thing about leaving California and about seeking out natural states and surfing the world. Back to Mandela in the Trail Less Traveled. 
an adventure series dedicated to taking you back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. You're listening to The Trail Less Traveled, and we're recording on the Pacific Ocean at Gisborne, New Zealand, on the northeastern coast of the North Island of New Zealand. And I just got off the waves. I took a surf lesson from Frank Russell. His surf school is called Surfing with Frank, and it's potentially one of the best places to surf in the world, and definitely in New Zealand. We are out on the waves for about two hours. It was really great surfing, and now we're back in the shade, and we are right where Frank does his lessons on land. So part of his lessons, and potentially the most important part, are the land segments, where he talks about safety, he talks about alignment on the board, the parts of the board, paddling, and popping up. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn the microphone on to the most sensitive setting so I don't have to hold it up to Frank and then let him talk about his lesson. Before I do that, let me just tell you a little bit about Frank. Frank Russell grew up in Whittier, California, outside of L.A., and at the age of eight, Frank started surfing on belly boards, surf mats, and body surfing. Then at 17, Frank found Cal Western, a university located right on the Sunset Cliffs, a mecca for surfing reef breaks. Frank came to New Zealand on a surf trip 30 years ago and never went home. In 2003, Frank started his surf coaching school called Surfing with Frank. And without further ado, here is Frank Russell giving his surf lesson. Well, welcome to Surfing with Frank. What a day. It's 32 degrees. For you in the Northern Hemisphere, that's about 80 degrees. There is absolutely no wind. The waves are two to three foot and peeling. What I mean by that, you have rights and lefts. And this won't be one lesson today, this will be the equivalent of three surf lessons because we're going to go out and ride both rights and lefts unbroken waves. To start out with, we talk about the equipment. The bigger the board, the more stable it is and easier to stand up. However, these big boards are heavy, cumbersome. They were a little bit tough to get through the waves, hard to get down to the beach. But believe me, we're going to have fun and we're going to get you up quick today. Another disadvantage of the longboard is they don't quite turn as well. And it's almost like a different form of the sport. You now have a shortboard guys that rip and tear and ride the big barrels. Longboarding is more classical. And for terms of learning to surf, we're going to be concerned about just getting to our feet, bending our knees, head up, and riding waves into the beach. So if we look at the surfboard itself, the front of the board is called the nose. So the front of the surfboard is called the nose. And then we move back to the back of the board, which is called the tail. And the sides of the boards we call rails. Now you may not remember that, but I do want you to remember the following. The line down the middle is called the stringer. Quite interesting, the old days, the stringer was there to give the board strength in the old balsa wood boards and now these modern epoxy. They're painted on, they don't do anything with strength, but they're in a good tool in terms of teaching surfing. Before I go on to paddling, I just want you to see two more parts. These are called fins and these fins provide stability. Without these fins, the fins sit in the water like this. It's really what makes surfing possible because without these fins, the board would be very unstable. The story goes that the Hawaiians started surfing on planks. Kings used to solve disputes and arguments by which king could ride the furthest. But on those boards, they didn't have fins. 
And as the story goes, whether it's true or not, I'm not sure how it's documented, but the Californians came to Hawaii and they had the fins. When they started using fins, surfing was really invented because these fins, as I said, give the board stability and makes it possible. The last part of the board is called the leg rope or leash. And the thing about the leg rope is it is attached to your back foot in this manner here, just like this. So now when you fall off, you're attached to your surfboard or flotation device. Made the sport a lot safer. Now these came around 1971. Prior to that, when I first learned, we didn't have leg ropes. So you go swimming, you'd have to chase your board. Boards are going to rocks. Overall, it's been a good invention. Okay, now the two safety points on this leg rope. The leg rope, there's about two years ago in, around Byron Bay or somewhere in Australia where there's rocks, somebody died, a person died because this leg rope got caught in rocks. So I want all my students to know how to take off a leg rope if they have to in an emergency. You run your hand down the side of your leg, pull the red tab off in that manner there. Okay, now the other thing about the leg rope it's attached to your back leg, you've got to determine if you're a natural foot, left foot forward, or goofy foot, right foot forward. It has nothing to do with being left or right handed. I tell snowboarders, you want to surf the same front foot as you would snowboarding or skateboarders, the same thing. So if you're not sure, you can push on the shoulders. We have a leg rope test, you can do that. Or we'll start paddling and standing up in a few minutes and whatever foot comes forward, That'll be your front foot with the leg rope on the back. Final point about the leg rope, it always must be as long as the surfboard. Anything shorter, greater chance of the board coming back and hitting you in the head and causing injury. Okay, back to the stringer. I want you to remember this. That's line down the middle. When you go to paddle, you wanna be in this position here, on your stomach, prone position, and you want to have the stringer dissecting the middle of your body. You don't want to be off center. If you're off center, a wave could hit you and make it real hard to stand off and even knock you off your board. So the stringer dissects the entire length of your body as you're in prone or paddling position or on your stomach. And then when we go to stand up, we want to be nice and wide. And once again, the stringer, the line that goes down the middle, your foot wants to have that stringer dissect the middle of your foot. Invariably, there's six of you here taking the lesson. There'll be two of you, at least, in your first few waves. The back foot's good, your front foot's off to the side, and the board goes like that. Okay, we're then gonna come down and we're gonna get everybody paddling and standing up. So what I'm gonna talk about first, in terms of paddling, is the sweet spot. Now the sweet spot is, if that's the nose and that's the tail, if you get too far back, the nose will go in the air. Too far forward, it sinks. So I'm gonna show you a mark on the board where your fingertips should be. You're going to lay down, your extended arms and your fingertips will be on the spot that will prevent you from nose diving and enable you to paddle efficiently. Okay. Now, there's three fundamentals of paddling. First of all, the arm action is every other arm. Secondly, keep the head still. If your upper body rocks or your head moves, the board will 
rock, wave will hit it, and again, make it hard to stand up. And thirdly, you've really got to reach out and get paddle speed. Get your arms in the water in a hurry to generate paddle speed leading up to standing up. Okay, so after we practice paddling, we then teach standing up. And the thing about standing up is I want to make you surface for life. And what we want to do is try not to go to our knees. I'm going to break standing up into three parts. So after you catch the wave, part one is hands beneath your chest as if you're doing a push-up. That's part one, because the hard part is going from position one to getting your front foot up on your stringer in the middle of the surfboard. And then part three, using your hands to push up into what we call the rock. $60 of knowledge, group surf lesson, New Zealand dollars. Knees bent, head up, looking straight. If you're in a wide stance, your knees are bent and your head's up, you will not fall off. That's the key, okay? Now, we're gonna try this a few times, paddling and standing up. It's not the end of the world. If you do go to your knees, we've got ways and coaching methods to get around it. But again, I wanna make you a surfer for life. If you go to your knees, it's awfully hard to be a good surfer because on steep and critical waves, it'll take you too long to get up. However, in this surf lesson, I'm gonna tell you to take your time. It is one, two, and three. Now we move on to one of the most important part of the lessons, and I'm sure the mothers out there, one reason you've sent your children to learn to surf with me, water safety. Hey, number one, the ocean's stronger than us. You've got to respect the power of the breaking waves. I know today we got a beautiful day. Four days ago it was eight foot, it was currenty, strong winds, and it was a really a tough day at the office. So as we go to water safety, the first point I'd like to make is this. Now, you are lining up, okay, and I'm gonna pretend that you're a wave. Now, if you go into the wave, behind the waves with the nose facing, not directly into the waves, this is what will happen. The wave will hit you and you could get hurt. So safety rule one is always have the nose of the board directly into the breaking wave. Hold the rails tight. You don't want to get behind it, either this way, the side of your board, or behind it, back at the fin. We always say that if you get behind your board, the board's not directing the waves, that could lead to stitches. I always say the Three River Medical Center. If you get behind the board, it could lead to dental work, okay? So the important thing is the nose directly into the breaking wave. Now these boards are heavy, so I also teach this falling method. You can pull your board out to the coach by grabbing the bottom of the leg rope. But do not get your finger caught in the rope where the leg rope is attached to the surfboard. So you pull the board out to your coach, tail first. You can actually drag it in the water and it's a lot easier to manage the board. Okay, nose or tail directly into the breaking waves, safety rule one. Safety rule two is this. If you're on your board and you feel yourself falling off, get away from the board and land on your bum. Your own board causes a damage. You've got to get away with it. And as you come up, you must put your hand on your head to protect yourself in case your board comes back at you. All right, so we're reviewing. Nose or tail directly into the waves. When you fall off, 
land on your bum with your hand on your head. If you fall forward, get away from the board. Try to always and land gently on your ankles so you don't hurt your ankles or sprain an ankle. Okay, then two more important points. Keep your eyes on the breaking waves. We get these teenage girls talking away, talking to each other, not paying attention, losing concentration, not good. Keep your eyes on the breaking waves at all times. As I say, watch your mate fall off, turn and watch him fall off, have a laugh, and then right back to looking at those waves. And then another super important point is the four meter rule. You never want to surf any closer than four meters. If your mate is surfing here, you are four big steps away from your friend or partner that you're surfing with. Super important, okay? Prior to this lesson, one person came up, got a slight injury, and I asked what happened. Well, Johnny's board hit me. Okay, that's what happened. You weren't surfing four meters apart. So that's super important too. Right, you're sick of me talking. You're sick of me talking. It's hotter than anything. Hey, let's go surfing. You're listening to The Trail Less Traveled. And it's recorded on the Pacific Ocean in Gisborne, New Zealand, which is on the northeastern coast of New Zealand. Frank Russell grew up in Whittier, California, outside of L.A., and at the age of eight, Frank started surfing on belly boards, surf mats, and body surfing. Then at 17, Frank found Cal Western University, located right on the Sunset Cliffs, a mecca for surfing reef breaks. Frank came to New Zealand on a surf trip 30 years ago and never went home. In 2003, Frank started his surf coaching school called Surfing with Frank, located here in Gisborne. He also teaches PE at a local high school. Frank, it's time to play another song. You've surfed all over the world, including Australia, New Zealand, Indonesia, Costa Rica, Mexico, South America, Canada. And I'd like to have you share a song with us that reminds you of the adventure of surfing. So I'm going to have to use Sugar Magnolia by the Grateful Dead because I'll never forget. I took a bus from Oaxaca down into Central America. And when I got to Costa Rica, it was off the bus. and There's no more buses to take me anywhere really a hard place to hitchhike with a surfboard hotter than anything and these guys from Oregon picked me up I'll never forget it they put me in the back of their van through the board in which is a godsend as I said it was getting hot hard to travel hard to make and get to the beach I was still an hour and a half away from the beach probably longer by walking and I'll never forget listening to the Grateful Dead and the song Sugarman Noya and just the freedom that I felt at that moment It's The Trail Less Traveled with Mandela. You're listening to The Trail Less Traveled, recorded in Gisborne, New Zealand on the Pacific Ocean, right on the breaks that we enjoyed earlier when we were doing a surf lesson with Frank Russell. Now, Gisborne, New Zealand is one of the best places to learn how to surf. Frank Russell has a surf school here called Surfing with Frank. And he has been kind enough to not only give us a surf lesson on the radio, but also to come out into the waves and help us catch our first waves. And it was just a beautiful thing to stand up and to be encouraged by Frank. So I definitely recommend if you're someone who wants to learn how to surf, don't wait any longer. Come down to New Zealand. Come surfing with Frank. He came here 30 years ago on a surf trip and he never went home. 
He grew up in California, outside of L.A., and at the age of eight, he started surfing on belly boards, surf mats, and body surfing. Then at 17, Frank found Cal Western University located right on the Sunset Cliffs, and that's a mecca for surfing reef breaks. And if you're a student who wants to find a good university that also has surfing, take it from Frank. He says, I don't think it's a better place to go surfing. Challenged by Santa Barbara, maybe San Luis Obispo. Sunset Cliffs, wintertime, it breaks in the winter about six months of the year. It's still relatively uncrowded. You walk far enough along the cliffs so you can get some solitude there. And as I said earlier, I'll never forget 69 to 73 surfing just about daily, these long waves, and really learning what true surfing was all about. Now, Frank gave us a land lesson. Now he's going to give us a water lesson. So I'm going to hand it over to Frank, and he's going to tell us about taking your board out and actually hitting the waves. Okay, now you're going to pick your board up. You're going to pick up your leg rope, and you're going to pick the board up halfway between the nose and tail and carry it under your arms. Now, as I said, these boards are heavy. You might also want to carry it island style on top of your head. Now, it's important that we go, we walk to the beach, we don't put our leg rope on until we're close to the water's edge. And when we go out there, remember the safety rules, nose or tail directly in the waves, surfing four meters apart. Now, there's some other things that might happen. When you stand up, oftentimes, you're going to be back at the back of your board. It's surfing, you're standing up, and the nose of the board lifts up, you are going to shuffle forward. Surfers refer to it as walking the nose. And if you see the classical guys cross-stepping, it's an art form. It's a beautiful to watch a good longboard surfer cross-stepping to the nose and hanging five and ten. But for your case, you may not cross-step, but you realize to gain speed, if you start to slow down or the nose of the board lifts up, shuffle forward. Now, I can see some good athletes amongst you students. We're also going to talk about angled takeoffs and turning. So once you master riding the waves in, knees bent, head up, riding straight, myself and the coaches are going to put you on an angle facing either left or right. You will then get up and hold that angle, and if we yell turn, turn your head the way you want to go. If the waves break in left, you turn your head to the left. It's important to note it's not the head that's making the board turn, it's your hips. But if your knees are bent and you turn your head, your hips will turn and you will turn and ride the wave, hopefully for 100 meters. It's not every day that we can go this far. It's just that the waves are really good today. We can ride unbroken waves. And if all goes according to plan, you'll be turning right and left and shuffling forward. And you'll end up with 100 meter long waves today. Awesome, Frank. You've been surfing since you were eight years old, and you first ran to the ocean when you were two years old. It's amazing that you are here doing your passions, living in Gisborne, New Zealand. And one of my questions is, do you have any challenges that you're facing in surfing right now? I think the important thing to note about surfing is I'm 65 years old, and I enjoyed as much as when I was 15. And the other thing about surfing, I tell my students, is you have homework for life. I'm 65. I've surfed some pretty big waves. I've mean, surfed a lot of spots, but I think the ocean is still teaching me something. I tell my surf coaches, now I know you got to go out paddle. You want to be good surfers. You got to go out and paddle and do your own surfing. 
but you do two surf lessons a day, stare at the waves for four hours, you learn reading waves, which is crucial. I'm at the stage now, I can almost feel when a good wave's coming. I probably see waves the novice wouldn't even pick up. Some people say, oh, that wave's too small. No, it's not on these long boards. To me, that's a great peeler. In terms of serving, what's getting to me now, though, is old age. Getting to my feet, I always say, once I get to my feet, I'm as good as I ever was. Two years ago, I went to a break in the wintertime. We always escape the New Zealand winter. I go to Mexico. Every year, I go to a place called Saladita. Warm water point waves. Good old man waves. And good for kids. Long paddles, long rides. But I also, about every second year, go to Indonesia. And that's still a challenge to me. Two years ago, my mate Benny Hutchings, he's a legend here in New Zealand. The 1976 New Zealand surf champ. Sent him to Hawaii and he surfed in the Triple Crown, riding Waimea Bay at 25 foot. Well, two years ago, we're going to plan a trip to G-Land. Unfortunately, he had hip replacement. He had hip replacement in April. He's 70 now, so he's 68 at the time. Hip replacement in April, and we surfed Sumatra in a place called G-Land, Grungingen on Java, and we were serving eight to 10 foot waves, and he went on this trip. To me, that's a medical miracle. These waves are not easy. And so I still feel I've got this haunting thing, because last year my health wasn't the best, that I want to go back to Indonesia and I want to serve G-Land. And I plan on doing that next September. So yeah, do I have any golds left? Yes, indeed. I want to go out to a break called Kongs, where it's so loud, waves exploding all around you, it sounds like uh, you're in an airport with planes taking off. Go in on the reefs, deer in the middle of the jungle there. Come down and drink water at the shoreline. Monkeys are always raiding your food. Some monkey one year got a bottle of whiskey and using the New Zealand expression, got pissed, what you'd call drunk. So yeah, I want to be challenged one more time, maybe two more times. I dream of dropping into another G-Land barrel. But for us old guys, and really, it's so much fun. You got waves today, 100 meters long. We get the angle takeoff, they get to their feet, and they ride for 100 meters. We are on location in Gisborne, New Zealand. Right now, we're walking out to look at the break. We're here with Frank from Surfing with Frank. He does a surf school here in Gisborne. He came to New Zealand 30 years ago on a surfing trip, and he never came back. So the first thing I do is I look, how big is it? Is it going to be too big for my students today? When you're teaching surfing, I love small waves. Then I note the wind direction. What you want surfing is the wind blowing what we call offshore, blowing into the waves to hold the waves up. So you either want it dead glassy, no wind, or a light offshore wind blowing into the waves. Now here at quarter to three in the afternoon, it's been the best day of the summer. The wind is slightly offshore, usually at this time or it can be very windy i'm looking out right now and i still see a right hand peeler meaning you could turn right there'd be white water but further in front of you there's open faced green water wave the big thing is for learning to surf it's small it's not windy and it's still beautiful for learning to surf <laughs> beautiful. We'll, we're standing here right by the ocean. We're going to go back down to the water in a moment, but we have been on location in Gisborne, New Zealand with Frank from Surfing with Frank. He has a surf school here in Gisborne, New Zealand and Mexico surf tours. 
He goes there every winter. When the water gets too cold in New Zealand, he heads to New Mexico. And his website is surfingwithfrank.com. Frank, what song would you like to end the show with? I think I'm going to have to go with an old song called A Place in the Sun by Pablo Cruz. Kind of an obscure band, but it talks about waking up every day and find your place in the sun. Kia ora, Missoula. Mandela here. You have been listening to The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to documenting humanity by collecting sound effects and interviews from the most remote locations around the planet. Subscribe to The Trail Less Traveled podcast on iTunes and check out traillesstraveled.net to follow the show as it is recorded on location around the world. I would like to thank my guest for this week, Frank Russell. Frank grew up in Whittier, California, outside of L.A. At the age of two, he ran to the ocean with a passion. And at the age of eight, Frank started surfing on belly boards, surf mats, and body surfing. Then at the age of 17, Frank found Cal Western University, located right on the Sunset Cliffs, a mecca for surfing reef breaks. Frank came to New Zealand on a surf trip 30 years ago and never went home. In 2003, Frank started his surf coaching school, Surfing with Frank. Visit surfingwithfrank.com. My name is Mandela, your host of The Trail Less Traveled, and my goal for this show is to take you, the listener, back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Therefore, every week I will be interviewing an adventurer about what they do, how they do it, and how you can start adventuring in a similar fashion. The Trail Less Traveled is recorded at the Missoula Broadcasting Company, nestled in the mountains of Missoula, Montana, or on location around the world, in order for me to find these adventurers and talk to them in their natural habitat. Tonight's episode was recorded on the surf of New Zealand's North Island, a place called Gisborne, where the farmlands run into the ocean. My adventure tip this week is, when surfing and when trying to turn on the surfboard, Look the direction you're trying to turn, and it will also help your hips move that direction. Well, that's it for this week, my friends in Missoula and around the world. But until next week's adventure, please get outside and shred the gnar. Because as you know, the gnar simply cannot shred itself.